This Rarecast is made possible by Global Genes, a leading education and advocacy organization that serves and promotes the needs of patients and families touched by rare and genetic disease. Since 2009, Global Genes has been building awareness, developing patient-focused education and advocacy tools, and funding patient care programs and critical research. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. The microbiome has become an area of great interest among drug developers as a way to treat diseases. Synlogic, which is developing a new class of therapies it dubs synthetic biotics, thinks it may offer novel ways to address a variety of rare diseases. We spoke to Andrew Gengos, Chief Operating Officer and Head of Corporate Development for Synlogic, about the platform technology, a recent alliance that may speed the discovery of new therapeutics for the company, and why the microbiome may be a way to address a variety of genetic diseases. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about the microbiome, its role in certain rare diseases, and Synlogic's new class of experimental therapies called synthetic biotic medicines. For listeners not familiar with the microbiome, let's start there. What is it? How well characterized and understood is it today? And and what role does it play in, in health and disease? Well, I'll try to talk in plain English because it can get pretty complicated. But essentially, we all walk around with uh, microorganisms on us and inside of us, mostly bacteria and yeast. And you can think about them residing on you know, your skin or in your lungs or in an area that we're particularly interested in, your, your gut. And that's essentially the microbiome. Um, whether or not it, it is involved in disease or health, I think that is a, a topic that's being better understood uh, as as technology moves forward, it's pretty clear that it has some role in maintaining our our health because we see uh, folks that have a microbiome let let's say out of whack, uh, having certain conditions that that can be repaired by um, adjusting their microbiome. So I think there's evidence to to say that it has a role in in health and disease, uh, but I think that's still being um, investigated as, as at, at different locations and with different people. Synlogic is developing a, a technology platform for creating a new class of therapies. You dub synthetic biotic medicines. What are synthetic biotic medicines? Well, I think there's, there's two components to them. The first is we're using as the, uh, as the vehicle for our medicine, if you will, a bacteria, a form of E. coli. And what we're, that's a probiotic in, in plain English. And what we're doing is we're engineering the inside of that bacteria to do something specifically in, in the patient that would convey a therapeutic benefit to them. So it's really the synthetic biology or the engineering of the microbe itself where, um, where 
where we're focused on, and that's how we deliver a medicine to a patient. And, and how do you deliver a synthetic body medicine? Is it like delivering, like designing a, a small molecule drug? Do you start with a target identification and then screen against it till you get hits? Or are you somehow able to engineer a probiotic to carry out a specific function? It's more the latter. So, uh, for example, one of the earlier and, and let's say, more tractable places to start with a technology like this is in fields where there's a known um, metabolite in the body that, that damages the host, in this case, the human. And so if we were able to design a microbe to get rid of that metabolite, then it would have a therapeutic benefit. And so we've identified several areas where that might be the case, and we can talk about some of our programs specifically. But um, once we have that, that hypothesis of let's, you know, get rid of this metabolite or, or, or degrade it in some way, and we'll treat this disease, once we have that hypothesis, then we can look into the microbe and say, how should we engineer the, the biologic circuitry, if you will, inside the microbe to do exactly what we, we are setting out to do, to take care of that metabolite? And that's how we think about designing these, these medicines. Well, let's talk about specifics. Your lead therapeutics are in urea cycle disorder and, and PKU. These are rare genetic diseases, but also metabolic diseases. Let's take them one at a time. What are urea cycle disorders? So that's a class of, of this genetic disorders, essentially, where patients are, are typically lacking one or more uh, enzymes that enable them to turn nitrogen compounds such as ammonia into urea. And urea is the way that the body excretes nitrogen. Nitrogen comes into the body through uh, mostly proteins, uh, what we eat. And, and so patients who lack these uh, enzymes or functional versions of these enzymes have great difficulty turning ammonia, the, you know, one of these nitrogen compounds, into urea, which gets excreted, and so ammonia builds up in their in their bloodstream, their body, and that becomes quite toxic to them. Is the microbiome implicated in the disease, or is it just that you're developing uh, E. coli that can then somehow break down the ammonia and, and turn it into urea? I think in this case, unlike PKU, which we, we could talk about in a minute, I think the microbiome is actually implicated here because um, there's evidence to show that quite a bit of the ammonia that gets created inside a person is created by the microbiome in, their, in the patient's intestines. And so that's a consequence of, of what the microbiome biome is doing naturally for the patient, but the patient of the host, the patient needs to handle that ammonia, and, and uh, healthy, healthy patients have no trouble turning that ammonia into urea and excreting it. So I think in this case, yes, the microbiome has some, some effect, but we're not using that uh, per se as, as the basis for our treatment. We're actually taking... Uh, the microbe of, that we work with, 
uh, a version of E. coli and engineering in a, a biologic pathway that essentially takes the ammonia and turns it into something that's not harmful and, and can be excreted. And these are orally delivered? In this case, yes. So, uh, again, the, the, the microbe is swallowed and, and takes action in the GI tract. What's interesting is that ammonia is in the blood, but it's also, I just said that it, it, a lot of it originates from, from the colon. And so there is a, um, a flux, a transfer between, in both directions, the, the GI tract and uh, the bloodstream of, of ammonia. And so in this case, you can swallow our medicine and it can act from the gut to affect a, a change in blood. And there's not an issue with breaking down in the digestive tract before it has a therapeutic effect? No, not at all. In fact, uh, we've got some early data to show that uh, it remains um, active um, from your mouth all the way through. And at this point, you're currently in early stage clinical trials? That's right. We've just completed a, a phase one trial in, in healthy human volunteers. So what do we know about it to date? Well, um, again, it's a complicated, uh, the urea cycle in humans is a complicated cycle. So we have some early evidence using um, a marker for nitrogen that we can achieve a, a dose-dependent reduction or processing of ammonia. More importantly, in, in phase one, we have uh, safety and tolerability parameters established. So we know that we can deliver uh, an amount of, of our um, test organism into the patient safely, and we also know that using some biomarkers that it has some indications that it's doing what we engineered it to do in the first place. So that's positive. How about PKU? Can you describe what PKU is for people not familiar with it? Sure. And I think PKU is a bit simpler because essentially what this is is a group of patients that have an inability, uh, again, because of a, a, a genetic defect in, in the production of an enzyme, an inability to break down an amino acid called phenylalanine. And when phenylalanine uh, accumulates in the blood, it has uh, some pretty toxic effects on the patient. So these patients have to be very, very careful about how much protein they actually consume because in protein, um, you know, phenylalanine exists in, in, in most proteins. And the idea here with the synthetic biotic is this something that alternatively breaks it down? That's right. I mean, simplistically, we've engineered uh, another E. coli um, to be swallowed and act to uh, break down phenylalanine into uh, other compounds that the body uses and or excretes that are, that are not harmful. And, um, you know, hopefully that turns into uh, a program soon where we're testing it in humans and, uh, and then in patients. I know there's a, a wide range of bacterial proteins that have been identified that can break down phenylalanine. Are, are you introducing a bacterial protein to do this? No, what we've done is we've, um, again, we're, we're using a form of E. coli 
And we've essentially engineered in a circuit that uh, involves things that already reside inside that E. coli, but also borrowing um, components from other bacteria. And, and so this is pretty interesting because we what we brought is a, a biological circuit into the E. coli that both uh, takes advantage of the existing things that that E. coli can do, but also some of the things that other bacteria can do. So it's a pretty exciting, uh, from our point of view, a pretty exciting circuit. And is there any indication of, does this have any limit because of immune response, or does this work without any no. issues around that? Again, we're not in humans uh, yet with this program, but we we've uh, treated mice and 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 monkeys, and um, you know there's no sign of that. And again, this is delivered in the gut, so you wouldn't necessarily expect to see anything. You recently announced a collaboration with Ginkgo Bioworks, a, a biofoundry. This focuses not only on liver disease but neurological diseases as well. How does that collaboration work, and what does it mean for SimLogic? Well, I think the first part of the collaboration, um, which is what we announced, is a bit of a pilot program to see how we work uh, together with each other with the, with the intent and hope of doing something bigger and, and more exciting in the future. But essentially uh, what they do is, uh, and, and they do more than this, but simplistically they've kind of had the Henry Ford event in, in terms of synthetic biology. They can bring massive high-throughput screening of things like enzymes. They have databases that allow them to think about enzymes, uh, enzyme design, uh, and, and other genetic components uh, that, uh, that occur in, in E. coli. And, and what we bring is the, you know, the drug development kind of mindset of we know what we want a circuit to do and it, in, in response to potentially treating a disease and we can work with them to essentially take our circuits and our thinking about our circuits and really optimize them due to their high throughput screening and, and you know, identif identification of better components in those circuits. So, you know, said differently, I think the collaboration allows us to speed up the generation of, of medicine candidates uh, pretty substantially and potentially increase their potency from something that we would have done in, in more of a low throughput or, or um, you know, um, more hands-on versus automated way. Many people naturally think of, of gut diseases and metabolic diseases when they think about the microbiome, less so neurological diseases. What's the role of the bio microbiome in neurological disease, and, and is delivery an issue in that, those cases? You know, I think this area is, is less well understood and is just being opened up. So I'll give you my thoughts on it, and, and there's kind of two two ways I would think about it. One is that it, it's there's some evidence that metabolites in in a patient's body do affect uh, the brain and the CNS and, and some elements of disease. And so, again, in, in, in kind of the same concept that we talked about for uh, UCD and PKU, if we, if we could identify a metabolite that was bad, 
for brain chemistry or brain disease, and we could um, design a, a microbe that could take that metabolite away from the bloodstream by acting in the gut, like we've described in our first two programs, then that's potentially a therapeutic pathway to treat neurological disorders. The other, another way to think about this is um, there's a very strong correlation or, or connection, if you will, between the brain and the gut. There's a, a nerve called the vagus nerve. It's a huge nerve that that uh, obviously originates from the brain and and goes to uh, the GI tract. And there there's some evidence uh, now emerging, not not our in from our hands, but things like uh, depression can actually be a function of the microbiome in the gut acting on the vagus nerve. Uh, now, again, that's not our work, but that's, uh, that's some work I'm aware of uh, in the public domain. And so that, that might be an, uh, another example that you could have an action on the CNS through this, this connection with the gut uh, by developing a, a medicine that is, that is delivered into the gut. Have you identified neurological indications you're going to be pursuing? No, not yet. Not specifically in, in terms of a lead program, but we there are some ideas that we're evaluating based on some work that has identified, you know, metabolites, the first category of things that I was talking about. And we're hoping that our uh, relationship with ginkgo will be productive in this area as well as uh, liver disease. Those are the two areas, CNS, neurological disease, and liver disease that we're hoping to work with Ginkgo on, at least initially. Your platform is by no means limited to rare diseases, but is there something about genetic diseases that make them particularly good targets for a synthetic biotic medicine? I, I think the answer is yes. I mean, the, these diseases are, are well understood they tend to be, um, uh, as we said, you know, genetic defects in one or a limited set of, of enzymes, things like that, and they're particularly tractable to our technology, and therefore they're appealing to us, certainly appealing early on. There's a high unmet medical need. There's needs for things like oral uh, uh, drugs versus some of the other uh, therapies that are out there for it. Um, I do think, and these, of course, these can be, in many cases, um, addressed from the gut, which makes it easy to develop a, an oral-delivered uh, medicine. I, I think beyond that, there's lots of application, as you said, for this technology. Uh, one area that we're particularly interested in working on is um, the immuno-oncology area, where we think we can deliver bacteria to the, to a tumor in a way that has a very uh, potentially beneficial effect. Those are, we're in early days there, animal testing, uh, lead identification at this stage, but we're particularly excited about some of the data that we developed in that area. Andrew Gengas, Chief Operating Officer and Head of Corporate Development for Synlogic. Andrew, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks very much, Tim. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. 
The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.